IFM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Well, good morning and welcome to Tech Talk right here on Hi FM, where we are going to talk about lots and lots of interesting tech. As I've said before, we're into the down period of technology to some extent. July, August is the Northern Hemisphere summer and everyone's on the beach using their tech and uh, nobody wants to do anything until late August, early September when uh, we kick off the new tech year with the IFA uh, tech show in Berlin, which I'm fortunate enough to be attending again this year. So lots and lots of new stuff will be announced, launched, ready for the holiday year-end period. But in the meanwhile, there's been a lot of talk doing the rounds about DSTV and is it worth it? I mean, a DSTV premium subscription today is in the region of 975 rand depending on whether you've got PVRs or whatever it is. So it's no longer an inexpensive sort of form of entertainment. And yet, I must say right up front, I do believe that in many ways it's actually great value for money. I mean, if you go out for one meal with four of you to a really good restaurant, have a couple of beers, bottle of wine, thousand rand doesn't go a long way. And this TV costs pretty much the same as that. So put it in perspective, I'm not saying it's cheap, but it's certainly good value in terms of what they do. And what they do extremely well is curate all the latest TV from all the major studios around the world. So you'll see stuff even from Netflix, you'll see on DSTV. You'll see stuff from HBO. They bring it pretty much because of streaming, because of the wonder of the internet. They'll bring it within 24 hours of its launch in America. And in fact, often within an hour, if you want to sit up at three in the morning, you can watch the latest Games of Thrones at three in the morning so that, you know, you're one of the first in the world along with uh, the U.S. to do so. But anyway, they bring a ton of that stuff, put it on a very easy to absorb or use format. You get someone in, they put a satellite dish, they connect up your TV, you learn to use the remote and off you go. And the other thing that they do amazingly well is sport. There's just no question that if you're a sports fanatic, there's pretty much no other platform in the world. I know the frustrations of trying to find a, a, a streaming service for the World Cup, um, trying to find streaming service for a whole lot of other sport is really difficult. They're not there yet. They're starting to come. So you're starting to be able to watch a certain amount of sport over the Internet. But when it comes to all the major sport that, you know, South Africans and pretty much in the Premier League, soccer, rugby, you name it, there's no question that DSTV do an amazing job. But what started this whole debate, and it's quite interesting, is that someone put together a really professional poster. And what they said, very simply, is that a two-year contract with DSTV will cost you around about 23,000 rand over two years. Now, when you put it into a big sum like that, it's a lot of money. And you, you really have to wonder, is it, wow, am I going to spend that sort of money over the next two years to watch some TV? Well, that's a choice you're going to have to make. But what they contrasted it against was a Netflix subscription, which gives you a tremendous range of streaming uh, content. And that was only 3,800 rand, give or take a few rand over a two-year period, taking into account the rand dollar sitting at around about 14, 13, 20, 14 to 1 to the dollar to the rand. So that is a huge difference. But I think what was left out of the whole conversation and what really was sort of 
hidden in, in, in the clarity of those two little posters was that Netflix is not DSTV. And as I said, DSTV managed to curate tons of content, all the latest shows, lots of movies, all sorts of interesting stuff. Some of it's a waste. Some of it you don't want to watch. But there are a ton of channels and tons of content, some of the latest content from all over the world, along with a really excellent sports offering, which is pretty hard to get. And a lot of news channels, which you may or may not want to watch. But the fact is they're there and they're available. Netflix, on the other hand, has an amazing selection of, of, of uh, their own content, which they're doing more and more of. But in South Africa, their content is somewhat restricted. I mean, they're somewhere in the region of 4,000 different titles. But the movies are all anywhere between six months and a year old. The series tend to be pretty new. They do pick up some of the series from the various um, other channels like CBS. They picked up uh, Star Trek. But apart from that, and Siri has decided that it's time to talk to me. I have no idea why. But anyway, um, so they do quite a good job, but it's an extremely limited uh, selection of content compared to, for example, DSTV. The other thing is that DSTV are starting to stream. So if you want to pick up uh, any of the DSTV product when you're not at home on your laptop, on your tablet, on your smartphone, you can do that, which is quite interesting. So that ticks another box that Netflix has been able to do. And the last and most important thing is that a decent Netflix connection has to be streamed over a reasonably 4 meg, probably even a 10 meg uh, internet connection, be it fiber, be it ADSL, be it uh, wireless, whatever. And you've got to factor that in anywhere, and having done my research, anywhere from 700 to 1,000 rand a month in addition uh, for the Internet connection. Now, not to say that a lot of people don't have Internet and won't have Internet anywhere at their home. But when you add that up, you're now sitting at around about 27,000 rand uh, over a two-year period for about 20% of the content. So you do the maths. Um, you figure out what's going on. And quite honestly, that, that little blue and red poster, I've got it here in front of me now, which said that a 24-month contract for DSTV would be 23,016 rand, whereas Netflix would only be 3,960 rand, is actually not true. You've got to add another 24,000 rands worth of uh, internet to that over two years and got to accept that you're going to have 25% of the content and no sport whatsoever. Well, there's a little bit of documentaries and whatnot, but nothing really well worth listening to. So I hope that's given some clarity to the whole thing. And also, DSTV do realize that their business model's got to change. They do realize that we live in a streaming world. They do understand that you know, a lot of people want on demand. They don't want to watch all these adverts. <laughs> they want to watch what they want to watch when they feel. So they don't need to sit for a schedule. They just simply play what they want to play when they want to play it. And that is coming. The DSTV Go app is available. You can now stream a ton of content. And um, they intend to bring a lot more quality to that. 4K streaming is being promised. You've got the, um, if you're a DSTV premium 
subscriber, you've got Showmax. So the overall package is pretty compelling. Lots of streaming options, lots of lots of satellite direct view options. And, I mean, you can. If you've got a holiday home, you can take it down with you. You know, you can certainly watch wherever you are in the country. And uh, I think they do a fairly good job at a premium. But that's something that you have to decide for yourself whether you want to spend. But I, do, I think all these comparisons between DSTV and a pure streaming service like uh, Netflix – actually miss the point and create the impression that for some reason DSTV are ripping us off. I don't believe that uh, they have their own challenges, but I, and I believe they're quite expensive. But certainly I do believe they deliver a ton of really good value for the money. And on that note, we're going to switch for a quick uh, little bit of information from our sponsors, and then we'll be back with more tech and some more interesting tech news. <laughs> Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Well, welcome back. And in some other news, I've actually got some, this is really, really good news. Um, all the phones that we're using, all these smart devices that we're using have got more and more, I wouldn't say fragile, but certainly more and more delicate over the past few years. They're all huge, glass-covered slabs of you know, aluminium and plastic, you name it. But there's no question there's a massive trend right now for large five inches and above screens along with glass backs. And heaven forbid you drop those things. They tend to shatter. And it's an expensive little exercise no matter which way you go. Well, the company that makes all these screens, something some company called Corning, Corning have just announced the latest generation of their glass for for smartphones and smart tablets and devices, which they call Gorilla Glass, and the latest version, Gorilla Glass 6, which most phones right now, or the high-end phones today, have Gorilla Glass 5. My tongue's getting twisted with all these gorillas. But anyway, what they say is the new Gorilla Glass 6, which is made of a brand new material, don't know what brand new material can be made in glass but these experts at Corning say this is a brand new material and it can survive as many as 15 drops on average and that's onto rough surfaces not just onto carpets or something smooth 15 drops onto a rough surface without any damage compared to 11 which they got on Gorilla Glass 5 so it's a significant significant improvement what they've also said is that <clears throat> these phones should, or this glass should start appearing in phones towards the end of this year, beginning of next year. And it definitely is the best, most impact-resistant glass you can find. Now, a lot of people use screen covers, which do help. The problem is I find that the screen covers themselves are so fragile that you land up breaking a 200 rand or 300 rand screen cover three, four times a year. I know that's a lot cheaper than the the cost of a screen but even so i just find that the screen covers are often such poor quality that you chip them and scratch them and then your phones get all tacky so they're not really cool so it's really nice to hear that corning have come up with a glass that is significantly around about 50 percent harder than and and resistant to dropping and scratching and and shattering than the previous generation and expect to see it in on your smartphone in the next I would say the next six months. So all the new ones that are coming out over the next couple of months will probably have Gorilla Glass 6 from Corning. You can you can look out for it. Apparently the new iPhones will also have it. 
which they come out in September. And um, August, September is going to be quite a big year or quite a big few months this year for the release of new phones. So stay glued. Hopefully I will get my hands on them as quickly as I can. On the 9th of August, they're launching the new Galaxy Note 9. And apparently there will be an unboxing event here in Johannesburg at the same time as they launch it in New York. So stay tuned. You'll find out all about the latest and greatest phones right here on High FM. And another new uh, product announcement that hit my desk this week is that Apple have updated their MacBook Pro. So all you Mac fans out there, I'm kind of one of those weird people who loves the hardware of Mac and yet I run Windows on my Mac, but that's a whole another story altogether. But anyway, the new MacBook Pros have been launched. They're already available in most of the territories around the world, England, UK, Germany, Australia. And I have word that they will be here in the next two weeks. They should be in um, South Africa probably by the beginning of August. And they've made some significant improvements. First and foremost, only the 13-inch with a touch bar and the 15-inch with a touch bar has been upgraded at this stage. The prices remain pretty much the same. So the RAND being where it is, sort of hovering around, we shouldn't see any major price changes in the South African market. But the, but the major changes on the new, um, the new MacBooks are essentially the latest Core i7 and Core i9 processors, the new Intel processors. These are now six-core processors with a massive turbo boost up to about 4.8 gigahertz, which is really useful for guys who um, you know do a lot of video processing a lot of heavy sort of computer-aided design and graphic work and they've pushed the ram up to 32 gigabyte of the latest ddr4 memory which is again a really important thing uh, for for heavy sort of video processing they've also almost quadrupled the maximum amount of hard drive space up to four terabytes of ultra-fast SSD, solid-state drives, which was always a feature. And they've also improved the quality of the screen. They've added their True Tone display technology, which is similar to what's available on the iPhone X. And they've upgraded their interface chip, the chip that, that manages your fingerprint, to the latest version, their T2 version, to it improves security, and it manages the Touch ID and all sorts of things. So they've really done a lot in exactly the same size. So the, the physical shape and size of the 15-inch hasn't changed, and the 13-inch as well. The only real difference between the 13-inch and 15-inch is that they only offer the Core i5 and i7 processors, so they, and they're clocked slightly slower because it's a much smaller screen to deal with, and they don't offer the same powerful graphics. In the 15-inch, they've got discrete graphics from Radeon, um, and that comes with 4 gig of video memory, whereas the 13-inch has just the Intel Iris, which is the integrated memory, and up to 2 terabytes of SSD. So if you were holding out for the latest and greatest from Apple, they certainly have seen some of the new reviews. They've already hit the streets. They reckon that this brings the MacBook Pro right up in line with their competitors, because Dell... HP and, and Asus had competitive laptops with much higher specs in terms of the processor, memory, and hard drive. Well, this brings the Mac right up to date. And we'll have to hang in there to see what they do with the MacBook Air. There's a big rumor that that's going to change over the next little while. Um, and hopefully, 
we'll have lots of new Mac news uh, by mid-September when they release the new iPhone for 2018 and a whole lot of other products. But these are significant upgrades for the same price of a really, I believe, one of the better sort of uh, laptops on the market, whether you run Windows, whether you run Mac, it tends to work extremely well with Mac OS. And with Windows, I, as I said, I'm one of those strange people who uses my MacBook Pro running Windows. Now, a last little bit of news before we switch to a really interesting segment. I had a very, very interesting chat to a gentleman about the Internet of Things. And Patisse Malinga, he's the acting CEO of Squidnet. He kindly did the interview twice because technically I lost the first interview as I tried to save it. So we interviewed, we did this interview twice. And it's really interesting to understand the real application of the Internet of Things. You hear about it all the time and you know, between VR and AR and augmented reality and all the other stuff that's going on, you cannot believe how much is happening in this space. But it often remains sort of like cloud computing. It remains terms that have no real relevance. But here, listen in for the next 20 minutes, and you'll hear a ton of useful information. So if you're in business, you track assets, you have a farm for a, for that matter, anything to do with pretty much anything, SquidNet as a company and their partners out there, and one of their partners is Vox. There are a lot of other guys who use their technology to offer services and product in the Internet of Things or IoT space. So listen in. I think you'll be quite fascinated by the amount of, of stuff that's being done and um, what's happening in that space. And we'll have to break again for our sponsors, and we'll be back with Patizwe Malinga from SquidNet. FM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Well, good morning and welcome to Tech Talk Cafe right here on High FM. And with me is Patizwe Malinga, who is the acting CEO of SquidNet. Now, SquidNet are a really interesting company, not one that you and I have heard of. In fact, it's quite an interesting name. But they're part of the Dark Fiber Africa group. And again, another company that in their name, they call themselves Dark. They're sort of in the background. They're not trying to be in the front of everyone, but they are busy deploying or have deployed fiber all over South Africa, and our whole internet revolution depends. If dark fiber Africa goes dark, we're in huge trouble. But SquidNet are an interesting company. So tell us a little bit about it. Welcome to the show, and tell us a little bit about what you guys do. Thank you. Um, we are a internet of things company. Now we're going to talk a lot about, about that. that. But um, maybe to introduce um, SquidNet itself, it is a result of dark fiber Africa, um, asking themselves, who's going to disrupt us as a fiber company and, and let's rather disrupt ourselves. So the, the company um, Squidnet um, comes from dark fiber researching this Internet of Things that will also require connectivity and asking themselves, what is the best way for these things to connect um, in the future and making a play? to be a company that provides connectivity. Now, before we go any further, the, yeah. we, I've spoken about the Internet of Things. Yeah. I'm sure I've explained to our listeners what it is over the years. But quite simply, what is the Internet of Things from your perspective and where does SquidNet get involved in this whole thing? Okay. The, the Internet of Things, luckily, is not as complicated as 
as anything else we may have explained technically. I think the Internet of Things is really giving Internet to a thing. Okay. Yeah. Anything. Anything. Okay. Absolutely cool. anything. I think maybe to constrain our examples, let's use a farm. Um, the types of things you'd connect in a farm would be a cow, um, a rhino, would be a gate, would be a tractor, would be the soil itself, could be the air. You would connect a thing to air. It is possible. And now we're getting into some <laughs> esoteric stuff. Wow. Yeah, yeah moving on. Let's, let's, let's <laughs> not get all airy. But, but, but the, yeah. the reasons you would want to connect um, a thing um, would be primarily for one of two reasons. You'd either want to monitor the thing um, and monitor some kind of vital um, on it, which would be maybe light or temperature or pressure or, or humidity movement or whatever. Um, or you'd want to track the thing um, to make sure that it is within your control still um, um, and, and you would use GPS. So, so the Internet of Things um, is about um, enabling a thing just, just as much as we enable ourselves with a cell phone. The cell phone allows us to become... Um, internet of humans. <laughs> That's <laughs> a great description. I mean, these days, which human? You, I've often left my wallet at home, but I cannot remember the last time I left my cell phone at very home. Very true, very true, very true. This is what they should start doing. It's just keeping everything vital on our phones. Well, I don't know why they don't put our wallets on our phones. Yeah, they do, <laughs> they, they do, do <laughs> they do. But the guy at the roadblock didn't like my picture uh, of my, my driver's <laughs> license. But anyway. <laughs> so, so I suppose the question then becomes, if you can connect anything, um, what should you connect? Uh, because we don't have an infinite and amount I of And I think money. more importantly, how do you connect and all how these do you things connect in, a, in a cost-effective way? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and when you say cost-effective, how have they been connecting all along? Because the things that we're talking about connecting, some of them have been connected um, to the Internet. When we start moving to the numbers that people like Gardner start, uh, start throwing about, which is in the billions of things that will connect, um, you want to connect as cost-effectively as possible, as cheaply as possible, but you also want to be sure that the thing that is connected remains connected, especially when you need it to communicate. To so what are the key things? I mean, we spoke about this before this yeah. interview, but yeah. what are the key things that are critical to the Internet of Things, I mean, yeah. that you guys are offering? I think from our end, um, when it comes to connectivity and you're now starting to connect things that are no longer fixed, are no longer within an area where you can plug them up, um, um, power becomes very important. So for things that are in transit or, or things that are very remote, um, the amount of power that you have in the thing is, is, is super critical. So in other words, you can't charge these things yeah, overnight. Absolutely. You can't charge them every day. Absolutely. In fact, so you can't charge them every, every year. Absolutely. So you start looking for can I charge this thing every five years, every 10 years, every, in, in the case of a water meter, every 15 years? You know, you yeah, really that, don't. That, yeah, it's something that we don't even think about. If you want to monitor things, yes. you don't want to worry about if the thing's still got some battery life. Absolutely. And when, when, when a company um, connects things, um, the reason they connect things is, is because they're connecting assets. And, and what they want to know about their assets is, are their assets sweating? But, but absolutely right. Mm. They can't spend half their time recharging, um, these, recharging these sensors these assets on their assets. Rather than making the assets. No, I mean, they'll cost more than, yeah, do. make it a lot basically not worth the trouble absolutely absolutely so 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 when you want to connect the thing you want to connect it in a way that that you do it at the least cost and for as long as possible per maintenance cycle so so power becomes very important and then the cost 
um, associated with your connectivity is also important. You know, um, holding a conversation with a rhino doesn't yield much data. You know, you're not going to get voice um, at the levels. No selfies. Get, no selfies at the level right, that we no get on our iPhone tens. Yeah. You know, um, but but you just want to know where it is. You want to create a virtual fence, and if it leaves that fence, you want to be alerted. Um, so you want your rhino to speak when it's important to you. You want your gate that somebody left open five kilometers away from your main house. Um, you want to know that it hasn't been closed um, in real time. But then you driving, jumping into your bucky all the way out there and then finding that it's still open. It was closed anyway. You'd wasted your time. Or not driving out and finding it was open. And, and um, losing half your herd. Absolutely, absolutely. It was a, the, the barn door was left open. <laughs> <laughs> so power obviously is a critical thing. And, and, and the... The, the devices that SquidNet supply yes. are obviously incredibly low power with and long battery life. Long battery life. And then also how we communicate is also makes it very cost we'll effective. We'll get to that. SquidNet are the local agents, if you want to call it, yes. for a company called Sigfox. Yes. And they're a global player in the sort of communication space. Give us a little bit of sense about what Sigfox is okay. and what it does. I think Sigfox, the best um, way to explain it is firstly on its own and then, and then in relation to SquidNet. So on its own, um, what it does is it has found a way to communicate using a free spectrum without violating the rules of that, spe- that okay. free spectrum. So, so a bit like Wi-Fi, but much more long-range. Much more long-range. And, 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 and ICASA and any other regulatory body in the country that they operate in is very sticky about how noisy you are, how chatty Absolutely. you are on the channel. I mean, you can't Absolutely. just broadcast anything anywhere. Absolutely. Well, some do, some but do. generally you shouldn't. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. And they've found a way to, to allow a, a asset, a thing, to communicate every 10 minutes continuously for, for the five years life yeah for, yeah for five years without that becoming a um, violation of that um, um, country's laws so this is a radio network this is a radio network it's the 868 network it's tr- exactly traditionally used for industrial scientific and medical and and they found a way to do this now what they then decided is instead of us going because they want to be global they want to be in every country and they want to give a global eye so your run goes roaming across the world, absolutely, you, absolutely. you can find him anywhere. Or, or if it's just um, um, taking a cruise down to Australia, you can track it. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, Everyone yeah. needs a holiday. Yeah. So what they then did is they went the license route. So a bit like a franchise. So they mm. allow only one franchise per country. And so Sigfox, you would almost consider as being a Sigfox franchise for South Africa. And then 47 other countries, which means any device that is Sigfox enabled, which means it has the Sigfox ability to communicate, can speak in any of those countries without roaming, without any pre-arranged. Okay, that makes things a lot simpler. You don't have to sort of worry about like you do with your SIM card when you arrive. Uh, Vodacom and MTN are quite happy to charge you the earth. But generally, you arrive in a strange country, you need another SIM or you need a... It's a complicated system. Very complicated system. Um, The networks have tried to address... Um, that um, with what they call a global a global sim, um, but but it comes at a cost because because you have to as a company make a lot of agreements in lots of countries. With this one, it is free just by virtue of of you being on the Sigfox network. Because another another thing that's built into these devices is security. Because on any other um, communication medium, you have to have this um, connection. 
you have to make a connection. Can I speak? Who are you? Are you really validated? Yeah, are you You're really, really are authenticated exactly, on the network, etc. Et maybe et thirty seconds later. Okay, what did you have to say? Um, they stole me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. By then they're down yeah, the road. By then they're down the road. Um, with this um, network, that you don't have to do that. Um, but what it just speaks. It doesn't okay. even know who listened to it. Um, your device just speaks. And we and the country offer a service level agreement. We guarantee that your device, when it speaks, we will hear it and we'll make sure that you get. So you've got countrywide coverage we of do. this of this platform. We do. So we spent the last year um, making sure that we are. Throughout the country, um, which is which is throughout South Africa, we have eighty five eighty five percent. And that includes, from, and then we're talking about physical South Africa. Physical that includes the places where the rhinos run. Absolutely. So we look at population coverage. So when we say eighty five percent coverage, it is of the population. Um, the population of South Africa. Um, is on about 30% of the country. Oh, okay. so it's not fully... Um, the so it's not every square not inch. every square inch. But the companies that um, are using our network, our channel partners, because we are a wholesale provider, our channel, pro- channel partners ensure that if there are too few humans, there is still coverage in that area. So in a place where you do not want humans, which is where you have um, rhino, you still have very good coverage. So the whole idea of the Internet of Things, obviously you've got all these little credit card devices that yes. you attach to things and yes. and this sends information you know by the um, well by the ton but certainly sends tons of information yeah. to the various uh, platforms like you guys yes. you collect it yes. then what happens what do you yeah. do with that stuff when it arrives absolutely so when a, when a company um, is interested in connecting something you know they they want to know if their asset is sweating how they know that their asset is sweating is if they can measure um, how it's performing in real time or near real time. Every 10 minutes, getting some indication of the condition that the asset is in gives you the ability to start making far-reaching um, far-reaching decisions. Um, if we were in a fleet kind of situation, you'd want to know as a, as a fleet owner which of your drivers are behaving well, which of your cars have got oil leaks and need to go in for service. Um, you'd want to know which of your cars are within the radius that they're supposed to be in. We've actually been speaking to a, a, a company that is now taking it a step further, and they are looking at which route the driver took um, to to go from so, point yeah, A. To so point he's B. not visiting his girlfriend Absolutely. down the road, or, or just an optimal one, mm. because sometimes you believe that you went down the road because it was the fastest. But these these micro decisions add up. Um, So in many ways, this whole Internet of Thing, uh, I mean, the real practical use of it to get back to where it started is that it's actually going to change the way that you do business. It is. It is. Um, When you are in business in any any city, it doesn't matter which one, um, you are no longer producing products for that city. You're trying to compete globally. And when you land in that global space, it's all about competitive advantage. It's about you doing something in a way that your competitors aren't doing it. Um, So you need to understand how your machinery is behaving and you try and, you know, squeeze the costs out of out of it and, and, and put in as much value into the product that you're producing in terms of farming the yield. You want it to be as big as possible. So 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 in in a nutshell it is about competitive advantage. It is about giving you insight into your business in a way that you didn't have before. And the one thing we haven't really touched on, but I mean this is a radio network, it's a network of connected things, devices, little things. We'll talk about 
practical uses like water meters and who knows what else you yeah. can stick it into. Yeah. But essentially, there are other ways of doing these things. I mean, obviously, we live in a mobile world. Everyone yes. talks about mobile. Yes. How different yes. and how competitive yeah. is this platform compared to, let's say, a similar yeah. narrowband IoT yeah. or, or a mobile network type yeah. platform? Um, in my in my experience of our network in the country, we're seeing at about eight to ten times saving, and that saving comes from what we call cost enablement. Um, we we in our area, you don't have to buy a SIM card um, on manufacture. Um, our ability to communicate happens on the chip. Okay, so, it's so when it so when it's made, it's already, it's already set up already, and works. Yeah, it already knows. How to communicate, and it already and it's it's already got that behavior built in. And are there a certain range of preset type sensors? In other words, yeah. you you decide you want X, Y, Z, and that's in the chip. That that happens. Um, we have um, combination chips, so they generally will have GPS on them. Um, they'll have some of them will even have Wi-Fi on them. Um, they'll have um, our communication, which is um, six box yeah. on it, and then they'll have a few other sensors on them. They can have temperature. Um, quite easily. They can have humidity. They can have light sensing. And then they have, most of them have one accelerometer. And an accelerometer does two things. It kind of tells you how something is moving, you know, if it's tilting, and then tells you um, how, um, fast. how fast it's moving. And when you, if you put an accelerometer in a car, you're able to tell when somebody harshly accelerated or harshly... Yeah, no, my insurance want me to do that, and I said no. <laughs> no? Absolutely. And, and, that, and that, I mean, when you look at the insurance space, that that is, is in essence what a disruptive insurance company is able to do versus a, a traditional um, insurance company. They're able to now lower your risk. They're able to say to you, listen, if you if we give you this device and you behave... Yeah, we'll just talk about way, this and I said yes. no. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, um, but what it does is it reduces... Um, it reduces your cost to the insurance company, but a good insurance company, and um, I, I won't mention any, but 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 they may be. Are they actually doing that? They are. Right, they are, are doing they actually right doing now. it right now? And they give you a reward. Um, they they are known for giving smoothies out. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, <laughs> now we know. Yeah, they're known for. But for are they are they without mentioning names? Are they using the Sigfox connected? type platforms for this. So I unfortunately have to answer it in this way. Yes. Um, Various insurance and tracking companies okay. um, have have adopted Sigfox as a as a technology, either primary or as a secondary. Okay. And the reason they do that is because we are I, I call us unjammable, but we are highly resilient to jamming. When you are being That's a hyped, very very interesting point. Absolutely. I mean, when you, how often have you tried to make a phone call when, and you can't? And you can't. And or the data drops absolutely. or whatever. And when your car is being stolen, unfortunately, one of the guys' job is to make sure that you and your car can't communicate until they locate your tracker. Okay, so and cell phone jamming is quite well absolutely. understood and known. Absolutely, absolutely. But Sigfox jamming, on the other hand, no one. Sigfox jamming, a lot less known. It is, it is, it is almost impossible, almost impossible to do um, at a civilian level. You can't do it at a military level. Um, if you watch those movies, you know those EMPs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, if but a, then they if blast an, the whole exactly. place. And if an EMP goes yeah. off, the Nothing last goes. thing anyone is worried about is your little yeah, car. Your carving style. Yeah, your carving style. I agree. And, um, and so, so, so the reason I have to answer you in that way is because we also don't want these um, um, 
other people other people these other people to know, people what's to going know on. which okay but that company. that makes a lot of sense yeah. and then at the other side of this so you've got long life in terms of battery yes. you've got low cost you yes. mentioned earlier not on air but you mentioned it yeah. it's very very reasonable to Per year, there's a very low cost Absolutely. per year. Absolutely, I mean, um, when we talk that eight for to communication, ten times, just yeah. for the communication, when we talk eight to ten times um, cost, what would that look like for us? We charge something like eight rand a year for a water meter to talk once a day when you have a million of them. Um, that very same water meter, when you have a million of them, if you're in a super deal, you you they love you at the at the GSM companies. You're looking at maybe three rand a month if you're okay. Lucky. So it's a significant, significant difference, change. If you have no friends, if you don't have an uncle in the furniture business, mm-hmm. um, it is a like for like cost on the connectivity. It would cost you maybe four rand ninety one to be. To be on a GSM network, it would cost you maybe five rand to be on ours. But the SIM card would cost you a dollar more on the GSM Every time you buy a device. Then it would be. So we'd end up, if you put those two costs together, being a dollar cheaper. Okay. Um, and, and, and on and scale, no when they're talking about billions, yeah, so that's no, 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 no negotiations, no negotiations going, on. going on. So it's significant cheap, significantly cheaper to communicate using the Sigfox platform. Significantly cheaper. And, um, and we also offer a, a service level agreement. Um, you and I know when we, when we phone each other, we are spokespeople for our companies because we, half the time we say, I'm sorry. Yeah, can I I'm sorry? Can I yes, hear you? I'm sorry. And you can't afford that in, in a device that has no ability to connect. It's just going to fire. In other words, it's, yeah. if your information is not received, it's lost it's forever. Lost. It's lost. Well, Ever-ish. Yeah, ever-ish. Ever-ish. Until the next 10 minutes. <laughs> Until the next 10 minutes. But yeah, but so there's, a critical, there's a critical thing absolutely. in that. So we deploy our network that at least three base stations will pick up that message um, and, and get it to you. So we act as a post office in the cloud. So from our, from our cloud to your cloud, um, it's very easy to pick up. And, it's, 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 uh, and as I can see, we're running out of time again. again. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are very involved. I just want to touch on something that really yeah. is exciting. You, you, you involved in a university challenge yes. and a little corp, a business challenge yes. about how to use these technologies. Yes. And, and apparently that's closing right now. We're yes. right at the we nth are. degree of all we these are. things. We are. And you, you mentioned something about a really smart, couple of smart yes. developments. Yes. Give us a quick yes. summary of what's okay. going on in that space. Okay. The, the, the price of this and the simplicity of to use this technology, for us, we see we can give South Africans the ability to leapfrog and catch up with our European counterparts. And, and that's what we believe. And solve, not and particularly solve South African and African absolutely. problems. We've got, we've got challenges that are very unique to us. And, and our kids and our youth and our young adults are the best positioned because they're the ones coming yeah, up with the SMEs. time at university absolutely. and they, they and can they, think and they're the I'm trying to pay the bills you and absolutely. I absolutely they, they're more intimate with, with how to solve our problems you know they're very good at reaching into our pockets no, no doubt no <laughs> doubt exactly and it's and a so, lot less than a yeah. dollar and so, a lot more I should yeah. say and so from a, a university mm. point of view we thought let's put out a challenge let's let's get them to solve South African problems but but we'll we'll 
we'll wrap those around the NDP, which is the National Development Plan, which is made up of 17 sustainable development goals. And we said, pick one and then use our technology. And, us, and come, up with something come up smart. with something Come up with it. So they, uh, they are in the throw of that. And, um, and on the 25th of July, they hand in what... What, what they succeed with, and then we'll fly the winners to France so that they can show case and show off what we've done from a from a South African. And this is on a conceptual point. This is on a conceptual point. It's not actually. Don't well, it will be physically come up physically with it. We'll, oh, okay. we'll come up with it. We've okay. shipped them the dev kits. The rhino will arrive, the and they will be the chip. Absolutely. So, and they are already <laughs> flying, and they're already doing some amazing stuff. Brilliant. Our entrepreneurs went mm-hmm. through this ten weeks of rigor and coming up with a business plan. And what came out of there? One of the examples would be an electronic note. Okay. Uh, one of our, one using of a Sigfox connected sensor, connected sensor, the guy is able to sniff wow. the air, um, and then and then using the cloud and they and the and the artificial intelligence within the cloud is able to look for patterns and signatures of what that thing might be. So it's able to pick up that it's carbon monoxide, for example. I was hoping to use it in my kitchen to tell me what yeah, I'm no. making. But, yeah, no, absolutely. But carbon monoxide How much more, more cinnamon important. should I use? <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> uh, but from this, I mean, when you look at our cars and you look at, um, and you look at our taxis and, 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 and the safety of us as individuals, um, this is what this practically will start to do. And you can start having your own personal um, air quality monitor. That's really interesting. Anyway, on that note, I'm really sorry. We'll have to pick this up, and we will talk more about when all these guys are chosen. I'm going to definitely find out who won or what the cool stuff is. But thanks for joining us. That was Patizwe Malinga. He is the CEO of SquidNet, and um, really an exciting company doing some interesting stuff, and in a way that I think is a lot simpler than than other solutions, which which is always great. Thanks for joining us, and I'm sure we'll chat soon. Thank you very much. Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Well, welcome back and a fascinating chat about the Internet of Things and hooking up rhinos and whatnot to an interesting sort of network called SquidNet. Well, SquidNet are the company and Sigfox is the network. But we'll follow up on that and the uh, stuff that the students and the entrepreneurs have come up with in a future little interview and we'll find out what they're doing and how smart it is. But now coming to the gadget of the week and a really interesting gadget crossed my desk this week and I've been using it for about two weeks now. And it is simply a Knowledgy Wi-Fi connected IP phone. Now, All of that might mean nothing to you. But here is the challenge that a ton of people have got these days. You've all had, or many of us have had, a a, a telecom fixed line. It's been connected with a copper cable to your house. You then plug it into your wall, and you either had a fixed phone with a long cord, or you had a cordless phone, and you had a telephone line, and off you went. Many of us used that for ADSL, and as fibers rolled out across South Africa, as more and more certainly urban Houses are getting a much higher quality fiber network. ADSL is fading away. And the question is, what do you do with your, with your phone? You may, for whatever reason, want to keep your landline number. You may want to keep a phone in the house um, other than your cell phone. And it's connect, connected to this old copper cable network, which crackles and buzzes and water effects. And every now and then it goes wrong. And then you've got to get hold of telecom. And it also costs a lot of money. Anywhere from 200 to 500 rand a month simply to have a phone line in the house. Well, I was looking for a solution to this. And having a decent fiber connected line 
in my area, in my house, I thought, why shouldn't I move my landline to the Internet? Now, there are a couple of companies out there. I'm not going to mention any right now, but there are a lot of companies out there that offer you what they call a VoIP service, voice over IP, voice over Internet protocol. And all you have to do is port your number because we have fixed line porting in this country as well as mobile porting, which is something some people didn't even know about. But you simply port your number to one of these providers and they will make it available to you on the Internet via what they call a SIP service. And that SIP service, you simply need to know your username, your login and the SIP email or SIP address, the server, SIP server address. And with those three things, you can generally put that into a phone and hook it up and you'll be connected to the internet and your phone number and it'll work exactly like a normal phone. Now, I know that all sounds pretty technical, but it's actually really simple. But Knology, which are a local technology company, they import a ton of telecommunications gear, networking gear, telephones, And all the telephones that they import, the vast majority, are IP-based phones. And up to now, every type of IP-based phone for a home or for the business was DECT-based. Now, DECT is the standard for telephony that has been in use for many, many years. All your portable phones that were hooked up used DECT. There was a little DECT. There was a little base station, and you had the phone. You could hook up to six different devices to your base station, and you could have multiple phones. But it means that you've got a little base station, and you're limited to the phone and the base station wherever you go. Well, they've brought out a new little device called the WIT 300. Fabulous naming convention. But it looks exactly like a little portable phone, um, a wireless phone you'd have in your house. And it has one major advantage. It is an IP-based phone. So if you have a Wi-Fi network, which if you have fiber or you have a decent Wi-Fi network in your house, you simply input your Wi-Fi code onto this phone. You connect it to your SIP service, which you've subscribed to. And in the way um, in the way that it works is that this service works pretty much anywhere. So once your phone is connected to the SIP service, it is no longer geographically limited. So in other words, this particular phone, as long as it's connected the two Wi-Fi, the WIT 300. It's got a nice color screen. You can do all the setup on the screen itself. Um, you can connect to Wi-Fi networks. I've done that. I've connected. I have the phone here in the studio with me, um, my home phone. I connected it to my cell phone's Wi-Fi hotspot, and I made a phone call to my wife, and she wanted to know why I wasn't on the air because I pre-recorded the last little segment. So it has really tons and tons of uses. It's a little bit cheaper than a decked phone, around about 1,300 Rand. You can get it from Incredible Connection, a couple other places. But if you want to know where to find them, you can go to the Knology, N-O-L-O-G-Y dot C-O dot Z-A website, and it's right there. And it's called the Knology with 300. And it just makes switching away from the old telecom line to a completely Internet-enabled line as simple as that. So if you go on holiday, all you need to do is take your phone with you. It's got a standard cell phone type charger port at the bottom, so you can plug it in, charge it with your cell phone. Um, it lasts, I don't know, I haven't spoken much on it, but it lasts quite a few days. And it works absolutely perfectly wherever there's a Wi-Fi connection. So theoretically, you could take it to... Um, a cafe with you, uh, connect to their Wi-Fi hotspot, and make and receive phone calls. And that works in South Africa. That works 
anywhere that you connect to the Internet. And that is the wonder of Internet telephony. So if you go visit family in Israel, for example, take your home phone with you, plug it in, uh, charge it, connect it to the Wi-Fi wherever you are. And if anyone phones you on your home phone or you want to make local calls, you can do that from anywhere in the world. And it completely separates you from having to be connected to a fixed line anywhere and the number follows you wherever you go Uh, the quality is really good the screen is good other than that it's really a simple easy to use cordless phone and works exactly like a cordless phone the two providers i've tried it tried it on uh, both of them give excellent voice quality in fact I believe the voice quality is better than the old copper lines. It's clear, it's HD voice, and it's really inexpensive compared as well. So you could probably drop your 500 Rand telecom bill down to 100, 150 Rand a month simply by moving it across to the Internet and using a SIP phone of this nature. And on that note, so um, it's just a really clever, simple sort of solution to a problem that a lot of us have. And to round out the show, I just want to mention two apps that have that have been super useful for me. The first one is Spotify. And now I know Spotify has been around. They've launched their South African thing. But they've launched a new feature, which is absolutely brilliant. And I've really um, been using it for the last weeks. They've got something called the Discover Weekly playlist. So if you're a Spotify user, every week, On a Monday, you're going to get a Discover Weekly playlist that is uniquely tailored to your uh, tastes, and you can find out all sorts of really interesting new stuff. And um, I'm being waved at that our time is running out, but I want to mention one more thing, that if you're a streamer and you have a smart TV and you are using Netflix, well, watch out, um, and in fact, please do update. There is a complete new Netflix design for their app for TV. So don't be scared if it wants to update and don't be uh, concerned that the whole thing's changed. But they've launched a brand new TV interface called the App Menu. It's a bit more like their um, app on the iPad or tablet on your phone. And it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to find what you want to to look for on the Netflix app. The search functionality has been made a lot simpler and a lot easier, and it's really a lot simpler to browse series and menu and movies. So if your TV is not set to auto-update, go into the App Store on your particular TV, be it a Samsung, be it a uh, LG, whatever it is, and update your Netflix app starting from today, and you should see a much improved Uh, app experience, easier search, easier ways to find the content that you enjoy streaming over your smart TV. And on that note, we have to leave. Um, Till next week, same time, same place. Tune in with all the latest gizmos, gadgets, and interesting information around technology. This is Stephen Ambrose for Tech Talk right here on Chai FM.